Gather back together. Gather back together. We can continue our fellowship. There will be a group going out to Sophia's and Roscoe after worship. If you'd like to continue your fellowship tonight or, of course, make time for each other during the week to fellowship, to study, to share, to be in ministry. As we transition now, we're going to uh, release, using our fishing analogies, our young people. Miss Whitney is back from her torrid suffering in Orlando. She's not paying attention to me. <clears throat> but she's back there, and she will release the children to the children's experience. Uh, as we talk about a couple things, so let's uh, receive our tithes and offerings for the work of our church. Uh, you should be receiving soon, uh, here within the next week or so, uh, statements, end-of-year stuff, and, uh, of course, uh, kind of our budget for next year and expectations going forward. So uh, look for that in your mailbox if you are a regular giver here at New Life. If you are not a regular giver, we're always happy for you to start. So my finance team is great, very much so. Tonight... This is very exciting. I'm very excited. Maybe no one else is. I'm very excited about it. Tonight, as this is our new year, uh, 2015, and we have begun our new on-site mission project, the Paper Angel Closet. Uh, our first appointments for the Paper Angel Closet are ministry and mission of uh, helping those in need uh, with paper products here on-site at New Life. We will be, after worship, if you are available, we will be putting those baskets together, those kits together for the people who are coming on Thursday. And then Thursday uh, is when our appointments are at 10 a.m. So if you would like to stay after, five, ten minutes after worship to uh, get those items together, our Paper Angel Closet is behind the nursery. So if you go out into the, the coffee shop, uh, there's those offices, the nursery is right to the left as you leave here. Behind the nursery is where we are keeping our paper, paper angel closet. Um, so we need to assemble those kits that we are giving out to the four families on Thursday. So we'll assemble them tonight, and then if you can be here Thursday morning, I know there will be a, a handful of people here, but if you can be here on Thursday morning and be active in that mission, that would be great. This is not a one-time thing. This is something we are doing continuously throughout the year. So we will continue to need the, all the items that are on the back of your list. Uh, we will continue to take inventory if you like to do that. And there's a couple people in here that like to, you may not raise your hands, but you know you like to do things like that. Um, feel free to stop by sometime and take an inventory, and we can let people know what we do need. We're going to be asking other churches in the area, once we kind of have a sense of what we new need, what we're short on, um, to collect one item maybe this month or next month um, to uh, help that ministry. Um, we're hoping to be able to help uh, many, many families. I think the number of people here just on Thursday is, um, is around 10 to 15 people um, who are going to be served by our congregation and, and given things that they uh, actually need for... Um, for life and for living, and, and because we are giving those things, they'll be able to help with bills and with other things that they need to uh, to get back on their feet wherever they are. Um, and so we thank our partners, Love Incorporated, to help who help organize the appointments and help keep accountability.
to the people who are being served. Uh, this is not just a thing where people walk in. This is a thing where people are held accountable, uh, where people are said, okay, do you really need this? And what do you need? Uh, and they are given the things that they need. And this is a big need in our community. So um, there's a lot of ways to partner in this ministry. It's on site, which means you can always be um, part of it. You can help Saturday night before our appointments to put things together. You can come on the day of the appointments to help give things to those people. You can go to the grocery store. Uh, all of these things can be bought at Dollar Tree for $1, oddly enough. Um, so, I mean, that's something you can do uh, eat or, or when you're out shopping wherever you like to shop. If you like to shop at Snucks and you have a New Life Schnucks card <coughs> set up, then double bonus, just, just throwing that out there. Um, for everybody involved. And uh, New Life gets supported and, and the people of our community get supported and we're happy about that. So. Um, but I'm excited about that. It, it's nice to be able to, to actively and tangibly help people in our community, not just give money to something, not just uh, kind of do a one-day event, but really to, to have this ongoing thing that every, every week, every month, we're actually helping people. We're actually helping transform lives and families um, that, that's, that's a great thing to be part of. So. Let's have a word of prayer as we transition to our forming time. Lord, we thank you for new year, new possibilities, new opportunities, new ministry, new people, new lives. We ask that you just continue to shed your spirit upon us to offer us peace and grace and hope and love and joy in all the things that we do that we may be your new people for this new year. Center us now. Allow us to hear your word and your call to fish for people in a new way that we may be empowered to do that this week, this month, and this year. Pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, welcome to New Life. I'm Mark, as previously stated. I want to welcome all of those who are joining us online in our online listening community, wherever you are across this state and nation and world. Welcome, even though you are far away, we invite your presence here with us tonight. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That is one of the fundamental scriptural affirmations of our ministry here at New Life. We feel as if we are called to partner with Christ in that ministry to seek and save the lost. We mostly do the seeking Jesus does the saving. Here at New Life, we call this finding. It's one of three things we believe are needed to make disciples. Finding, forming, forwarding. Finding is the first step. We find those in need of God's love, form them as devoted Christ followers, forward them out to make more disciples and transform the world. But it all starts with finding, which is the focus of 2015 in the life of our church. This year, when we're talking about finding, we're going to see how Jesus empowered and excited his disciples to find fish. 
Alex, my son, who many of you know, never, ever goes downstairs in the morning by himself. Sometimes he wakes up his brother. They share a room. But most of the time he comes into our bedroom, which is adjacent. We, we, all the bedrooms are on the second floor of our house in Sherland. So on Christmas Eve, or, or leading up to Christmas, we, me, had this great idea of assembling the toys, because I don't know if you've assembled any toys in, in the last couple years, but they are all hermetically sealed, because apparently toys are more priceless than, than gold, and not as priceless as compact discs <coughs> back in those days, but <coughs> as priceless as, as many fine I, there's like jewelry just out on the counters at the store, but Lord, you cannot steal the toys. So on Christmas Eve, I carefully assembled Alex's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles playset and Anthony's Little People Jungle playset and, and, and lovingly placed them set up under the tree, looking forward to the excitement of Christmas morning and the YouTube video opportunities to share with the world of our children opening our gifts. Christmas morning, Alex got up, quietly left his room. Some of you see where this is going. <laughs> Tiptoed downstairs, <laughs> and of course, saw all of the toys set out. I got up to, to use the restroom, and uh, I, I caught him coming back up the stairs. He was a little surprised to see me <coughs> and pleaded with me that we would go downstairs and play with his Ninja Turtles. I told him we needed to wait till everyone else got up, but we had a good Christmas. He was excited for the first time uh, in our time as Christmases. He didn't really understand it last year. Uh, two years ago, you know, he, he was still fairly young, but for the first time, he was excited. My four-year-old niece, Alex is four, my four-year-old niece, uh, we shared a Christmas Day together, and she, she was waking up every morning for about a month pestering her father and mother if it was Christmas or not. I remember that kind of excitement. I, I bet some of you remember that kind of excitement uh, if you grew up in a home where that was celebrated. That anticipation, knowing uh, regardless of Christmas or anything else, knowing something wonderful was about to happen. And the buildup and the anticipation and the excitement. We need to carry that kind of excitement, that kind of anticipation into our ministry and the life of our church. We need to approach the kingdom of heaven like we are children. I don't think it's a coincidence Jesus says that. Awe and wonder. Excitement. Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 18 through 22. Jesus walked along the Galilee Sea. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was later called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come, follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away they left their nets and followed him. 
Continuing on, he saw another set of brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. Immediately they left their boat, and their father followed him. Peter, Andrew, James, John, four of the twelve, were excited to follow Jesus. They were excited to leave their career, their family, their lives, and follow this homeless rabbi wherever he went for three years. Why? Because it was the opportunity of a lifetime. Think about Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, we, we kind of think James and John were a little bit younger and, uh, you know, they're there with their father. This is 2,000 years ago in, in oppressed Galilee, in, in oppressed Judea. Life was not particularly good, and you did what you could to get by. And these four men, what they did was they fished, and they fished every day as long as they could some days were successful, some days they weren't. If they were successful, they ate. If they weren't, they did not. And as they were looking forward to their future, you know what they saw? Fish. Every day, there's no 401k, there was no social security. They were going to fish every day as long as they could until they died. So they were a little excited when Jesus came and said, I'm going to teach you to do something else, to fish for people. Now, Jesus would do a lot more for them than, than they would ever expect or imagine, but it all started with that exciting invitation, come, follow me, I'll teach you how to fish for people. When you talk to people about Jesus about the church, about new life. Are you excited? Are you excited? People don't want to come and be part of something that is boring. Do they? Well, I can sit at home and be bored, and actually I can sit at home and be quite entertained because there's a lot of stuff at my house. Xboxes and TVs and cell phones and tablets and all kinds of good things. People want to be Excited. They want to be part of something meaningful. Jesus excited people. Are you exciting people about Jesus? We're coming out of this season of expectation, a season of hope and joy and peace and love. We can offer that to people. That is exciting, especially for people who can't experience those things, especially for people who are struggling to experience any hope, any joy, any peace, any love. Jesus gave those four men purpose. We can give people purpose. That is exciting in a world where people are struggling to find meaning. Jesus created a community. We can offer people community. There's a lot to be excited about. Are you communicating that excitement when you're talking to other people? Now in her book, Teach Your Team to Fish, 
Lori Beth Jones. I don't do a lot of uh, female authors, so I wanted to throw in a couple here in 2015 as I've been searching them out. She says that Jesus was able to excite and empower others because he followed a simple method, which she calls SQM, or Simplify, Quantify, Multiply. As we begin this series on finding fish, I thought it would be interesting to look at these three ideas and see how Jesus excited people and see how we can apply that to our ministry. So let's start with Matthew 22. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, which is kind of redundant, tested him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now, the Jewish religion, the, the, the faith tradition, which Jesus grew up in, which the disciples grew up in, which pretty much all of early Christianity was part of. Christianity was a Jewish sect for a long time before it was its own thing. It was a fairly complicated one. Now, now the Jewish tradition was and still is a rich and full religious experience, but it's very complicated. And in Jesus' time, it focused around the law or the Torah, the first five books of our Old Testament. Now, modern Christians in the United States kind of focus on the first ten commandments, and we want to put those everywhere we go for reasons, I guess. I don't really understand, but we, we like because Charlton Heston did it, I guess, in a movie, and so we all got excited about having big stone tablets, uh, and so we put those everywhere we go. But there are 613, and if you wanted to be a faithful Jewish person, you needed to follow all of them. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes don't remember the first 10. The other 603 escaped me. I know no bacon cheeseburgers and no shrimp cocktail and don't no poly cotton mix in your clothes. So I know those things. Um, everything else gets a little lost. But it was complicated. There were laws about what food you eat, what clothes you wear, how and when to worship. Young men in Jesus' time were encouraged to memorize all of those 613 laws. And the people, the Pharisees, who Jesus is talking about, and the Sadducees, they not only had to know all of those laws, they had to know all of the commentary, all of the interpretation of those laws for all time. Every rabbi who had ever talked about something about one of those laws, they were trying to be experts in. This man who was talking to Jesus was an expert. He didn't just memorize those 613 laws. He knew every interpretation of it. He knew every application of it. He knew everything you needed to do. They not only tithed their money, they tithed 10% of their herb garden. Right? They knew the law. But Jesus boiled it down to two laws and one statement. Love God love one another. Not only that, Jesus said not only does that kind of boil down the 613 laws, that boils down all of the Old Testament, really. 
all of the Hebrew scriptures, everything that has been written, prophesied about, taught to the religious people, that whole thing can be defined and summarized by love God, love other people. Jesus kept it simple. We need to do the same thing. Sometimes church can be complicated. I don't know about you, but I've been to some complicated churches. I've been to some complicated worship services where I did not know what language we were speaking, when to sit or stand, or how many times to say amen, or which Lord's Prayer we were praying. I've been to many churches that were administratively complicated. I've been to many places and events that were overcomplicated. I've been privy to some fairly complicated evangelical moments where people tried to espouse their entire life story, the whole gospel, and their personal theology in a manner of minutes to convert me. You'd be surprised who tries to convert you when you're a pastor. But there's, there's lots of people who do. We're all sinners. We here at New Life have a simple mission. Make disciples. That's what Jesus called us to do. That's what we do. We try to keep our worship simple. Fellowship, teaching, praise. We try, and we generally do, try to keep our events simple. Our on-site mission, the Paper Angel Classic, is really a simple mission project. We need to keep our finding simple. Come to church with me this Saturday. I'm really excited to talk to you about what we're doing at New Life. Come be part of this new mission, this new ministry. Come to this event. Keep it simple. Matthew 25. Then the king will reply to them, I assure you, what you have done to the least of one of these brothers or sisters of mine, you have done for me. In this parable, Jesus quantifies, simplify, quantify, Jesus quantifies the ministry of his disciples. If you want to succeed in ministry, reach out to the least. In Jesus' time, ministry and, and religion was based upon success by practicing a certain number of sacrifices or obtaining a certain number of sacrifices memorizing a certain number of laws, keeping a certain number of rules. There's a lot of numbers in Judaism. There's actually a whole sect of Judaism that is kind of obsessed with numerology. And so if you wanted to succeed at faith, you had to keep this number of laws, you had to do this number of sacrifices, you had to go to this many places. But Jesus said, it's not about the things that you do, it's about the people you served. The people in Jesus' time wanted to make religion about what they did, about human things. God, Jesus made it about godly things. Jesus said it's not about just serving the rich and the powerful, it's about serving the poor and the weak. It's not about just keeping sacrifices, it's about helping your neighbor. So how do we measure progress? How do we quantify the life of our church? Is it the number of butts in the seats? Is it our annual budget? Is it the number of staff people we have? Is it potential building projects, programs, or even baptisms? We like to quantify our success 
with worldly things. But Jesus quantified success with godly things. So we measure our success by living out our mission to make disciples. How many people have we made contact with? How many people have we shared the gospel with? How many people have we involved in the life of our community? How many people are growing as followers of Christ? How many people are in mission and outreach in our world? How many have left our community to go out and do mission? Have gone out and been in outreach? Let's start getting excited about numbers that matter. Simplify, quantify, multiply. Matthew 14. Felt like doing all Matthew today, I guess. That evening, his disciples came and said to him, This is an isolated place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the neighboring villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, There's no need to send them away. Give them something to eat. They replied, We don't have anything except five loaves of fish, or bread and two fish. He said, Bring them to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down in the grass. He took out five loaves of bread and two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke them, and gave them to his disciples. The disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full. And they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. About 5,000 men plus women and children had eaten that day. In Genesis, we hear a call that uh, a lot of church-going people are, are real happy to espouse. And it's a call by God to go and multiply, to, to take dominion over the earth. And, and it's about reproduction, right? It's a biological understanding of multiplication. We have pretty much succeeded in that. I don't know if anybody has realized, but we got lots of people. And even in Jesus' time 2,000 years ago, he knew that we had lots of people. And so he did not say, go therefore and reproduce, verily, to cover the earth. In fact, Jesus was single. I believe Jesus was never married and he didn't have children. Whether that's true or not, you can argue with the Da Vinci Code or anything else. I personally believe he was single, he never had children. The expectation for a young Jewish man, or in Jesus' case, an older Jewish man at 30, 33, was to be married and have lots of children. He didn't do that. But he turned multiplying on its head. Instead of talking about biological reproduction, he talked about multiplying things in a very different way. When he multiplied loaves and fishes, he was talking and teaching his disciples how to multiply in the kingdom of heaven. And that multiplication in the kingdom of heaven looked very different than multiplication here on earth. Jesus called his disciples that day to multiply abundance. Throughout scriptures, he calls them to multiply things like peace and joy and love and hope. He called them not only to share his message with them, their crowd. He called them to share their message with everyone, even the Gentiles, to every nation on earth, to all the ends of the earth. Now, the Roman church's model for multiplication was, for many years, and is pretty much still, 
get people married and have them have lots of children and have those children grow up in the church so that they can have more children and make more roaming Christians. And unfortunately in America, many of our models of ministry, even in the Protestant church, has been have children, have those children grow up in church so that they can be, cho- they can be Christians. Unfortunately for us, that model doesn't work, and it doesn't work because being Christian is not about who you were born to, and it's not about where you were born to, and it's not about if you went to church when you were a baby. Being Christian is about following Jesus Christ, and so if we want to multiply, we need to be able to find. We need to invest in inviting. If everyone tonight brought someone else next week right we say this all the time we would have twice as many people that's that's maths if you didn't know some of you didn't take that in school i did that's how multiplication works but it's not just about multiplying our size it's about multiplying our ministry if you serve in a specific way here can you take someone alongside you teach them to do what you do and then go start something new we need to multiply our excitement if you're excited share that excitement and excitement is contagious it spreads it multiplies so this is a new year and this new year should come with excitement there are unknown opportunities and there's unlimited potential for the ministry of our church we have come through three years of ministry together three years we've done ministry together from start to finish and now it's time to take the next step and fish like we mean it to go out and find everyone and anyone we can to share the excitement for what Jesus has done for us every contact you make is a potential catch. Every place you move your foot, every place you step is a potential site for ministry and a potential opportunity for the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm going to be thinking about finding and forming and forwarding in some different ways this year, or these next three years, I guess. So I invite you to be excited about the opportunities that you have. As we transition now to our uh, forwarding time, our time of praise, and I talk slowly, giving the band an opportunity to get up on stage. I, I don't got anywhere to be. I thank each and every one of you for an amazing year of ministry, and I look forward to this ministry going forward in 2015. A lot of what we will be doing is focused on finding. So we will be active in our community, this community that we live in, that we worship in, to try to get to know our neighbors, to try to get to know the people around us and invite them into ministry with us. So it's cold right now. So we won't be necessarily knocking on anybody's door. We might start it, though, when it's a little cold because they're more likely to be home. 
But if you're excited about that, we uh, meet on Monday night, this Monday, as our planning team and our leadership team meets the week after to get engaged in some of that stuff. Again, I invite you after worship to come be part of the Paper Angel class, and then I invite you out to fellowship at Sophia's. Whatever next step to take to become part of this community in a deeper way. Most of all, I invite you now to uh, worship wherever you are, whoever you are, authentically, however you need to do that, to come and experience the presence of God in this forwarding time. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for the excitement of your ministry. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, into our world to be an excitement not a burden, not another stress, not an obstacle, but a gateway, a key, a brother, a father, a friend. Allow us to come experience your kingdom here tonight in this moment. Allow us to be excited for the new life you've given us, for the opportunities you set before us. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen.